fucking doing it in the fucking film. I'll kick the shit out of you. It's the Going Off Podcast with Rap Critic and Views. (laughs) 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 It took everything in me to not laugh. (sighs) Okay, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, we didn't even provide any fucking context. So, like, I don't know why it's happening, but there's a guy who has a cat on his head. Seems to be really angry about the fact that someone is filming him with a cat on his head. And he's, like, walking out. He's just, like, walking out in the street. Like, this isn't, you know, he caught him. Oh, I caught my friend doing this thing. This guy just caught some random dude with a cat that he's apparently trained to just be on his head. But here's the thing. It's not just that someone trained a cat to be on his head. It's that for some reason, he's angry about the fact that someone is filming it. As if that's not some incredible fucking phenomenon. Like, he's like, what are you doing? Mind your business. I'm just another guy with a, it walking through New York with a cat on his head. His ego. The ego just got so angry that he was just like... Uh, man, don't you see? Like, if I've got a cat on my head, life isn't going okay. You know, things are already bad. Don't fucking put this out for all the world to see. <laughs> Show some humanity. <laughs> as much as I don't want to, we gotta talk about the saga that is Kanye on Twitter. For those who don't know what happened, to just really concisely... Let everyone know how this went from zero to a hundred in like two days. Let's do background. So Kanye West has had mental health issues for a long time running now. We have that knowledge and then like, you know, we don't hear from him for a while. He got his Twitter, uh, either he shut his Twitter down or it got suspended. I'm not sure what, but he was away for a while and then recently came back. Yeah, and at first he was saying, like, sort of, like, generic, sort of, like, uh, watch out for backstabbers, and this, that, and the third, and it's just like, okay, you know, yeah, that's fine. No, the first tweets I noticed were vaguely inspirational, and I was seeing other rappers retweeting them, and a whole bunch of people were like, man, Kanye's out there telling the truth, like, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it, like, like, it's basically the Twitter equivalent of that viral, uh, uh, you know, uh, don't let your dreams be dreams video, the just do it. It was that shit, but it was going on and on, and people <clears> were like... Self-help guru shit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was vague, vague motivational, inspirational tweets, and then one day it was like, hey, everybody, this is my book. I'm writing my book in real time. No publisher is gonna tell me how many pages I'm, a- I'm gonna be limited to, because this is my book, you're reading it right now, and people are like, huh. Okay, like immediately the tone kind of shifted a little bit like okay It feels a little less hinged, but I'm still with it I'm here for it because the inspirational stuff kept coming the same type of way But that was in the back of people's minds like okay So is this supposed to be a book then out of nowhere one day? He just tweets. I love the way Candace Owens thinks who I personally I had no idea who that was and I'm sure a lot of people didn't, and Kanye fucking turned them on to her, but she's a far-right, uh, black commentator on, uh, politics, uh, social issues, and for most people, I'm gonna say most, because some people already had an opinion of Kanye in the back of their mind that this kind of 
fell in line with, but a lot of people were taken off guard by this. Now, for me, I was reminded instantly of the meeting with Trump. I was like, right back to, oh yeah, okay, that does kind of make sense. Why would he be meeting with Trump if he wasn't in line with that line of thinking at least a little bit? Other people brought up other things, like the time Kanye was selling merchandise with a Confederate flag on them, and other things that were, that seemed kind of eccentric at the time, but now, in hindsight, kind of run together. Exactly. And now, it keeps going, because now he's having other people, he's sharing videos of the Dilbert guy, who's another far-right Trump uh, apologist guy, he's sharing all this stuff, and people like Roseanne... Uh, the guy behind Pizzagate, a lot of these far-right people are taking Kanye as like, oh my gosh, look at this. We finally have a big-name celebrity on our side. A big hip-hop, a big hip-hop name. black. We have a black celebrity on our side. What is the left going to do? Someone pointed this out, and it made me laugh, that the right for so long had to act like they were happy with folks like Ted Nugent and Scott Bayo being the only people that were going on TV defending them, when now you know it was all bullshit and they were just happy that they had anybody because now they're just like, oh shit, someone relevant? Someone that they obviously didn't care about before and that they still don't care about and they're only caring about for cool points. But what I think is funny on top of that is, remember when Eminem came out and said what he said? I find it very interesting. I find it very interesting that the guy who is against Trump is the older white guy in hip-hop. And the guy who thinks that Trump is hunky-dory is the younger black dude. I, I, I think there's an element of, like, Eminem, in order for him to be a part of black culture, he had to be humble, right? Like, if he wanted to be in black culture, like, when when white people weren't looking, you know what I'm saying? He had to be humble and he had to learn about black culture. There's certain things you don't say. There's certain things you respect for someone like Kanye. And this is going back to an interesting point that someone made. It was like, why does g Easy? why does Macklemore, why does Iggy Azalea have to know about black history in order to be involved in hip hop? But 21 Savage, Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Yachty, if they're ignorant, no one cares. But the weird thing about Kanye is that for a longest time, it seemed like he was very sort of woke and very interested in the realities of what black people were going through and and the realities that try as hard as many people might, there are certain things keeping them from getting ahead. Yes, we would all like to believe that in the perfect world, regardless of who you were and what color you are based on how you were born, you know, that anyone can get to any, uh, can ascertain any level of fame that they want or whatever they want to do in their life. But the reality is, some people has been affected by what they were born into. Like, if I was born under a billionaire, I'd probably have out 10 albums by now. And it's not because I'm a better artist or I was a better musician, but just because I have access to certain things. And that's not to say that someone who does have access to that wouldn't be good. That's not to say that Prince, you know, Prince had a, a, a dad apparently who, who was very, you know, who encouraged him a lot. It's like, it's not to say that Prince did not have to be a talented person to get where he was, but we see how further he was able to go because he had certain uh, stuff available to him. That's the problem. And then when you're able to go back and see people's lineage, you'll see that, oh, wow, 
this person was really super talented, but they never did anything with their life. Oh, why was that? Oh man, I'm starting to see a pattern that this person, these types of people that are talented aren't doing anything with their lives because they're black. And these people are, despite anything else, because they're white. Huh, that's very interesting. Can you believe that fucking logic is uh, more intellectually involved in the race conversation than fucking Kanye West is? On the Everybody album, the one thing, I, the one lyric I definitely gave him props on where he was like, Yo, Kanye, you said he didn't care about black people and Trump is the new version, so what the fuck is going on, bro? And now, the main person he originally put on, Candace Owens... She's going around dispelling Black Lives Matter, saying that that black people aren't targeted by the police, that all of this is just made up nonsense for sensationalism and attention. So it makes you think, and it also brings up what you had mentioned before, how much does Kanye's stability, I'm going to say, play into this? Because... He's gone on tears like this before. I forget who it was. Was it 50 Cent? Was like, dude, I just went on Twitter and I saw what Kanye was saying. I'm never looking at that shit again. And that was years ago. So he was spaced out for a while to now all of a sudden go from George Bush doesn't care about black people to only a few years later of pull the Taylor Swift stunt, which was, I think, when most people got the glimpse of hey, maybe Kanye's an asshole. So now we're going from that to now, everything he's tweeting, regardless if it's directly addressing a far-right narrative, you see all these alt-right, far-right commentators and pundits retweeting what he's saying, acting as if everything he's saying now is part of their giant plan and part of their speaking points. Acting as if they cared about Kanye West before. Like, I don't even know if he thinks what he's saying is part of their narrative or not. It's so hard to figure out because it's so all over the place. Like, one day he will, he'll say, you know, something about Candace Owens. The next time he'll share videos of the Dilbert guy. Then the next day he'll say something relatively vague about... Hey, I'm a free thinker. Fuck you if you're trying to control my thoughts. And all the far right people are like, ha ha, he's saying exactly what we've been saying all along. It's like, look, I I don't know if you want to be bragging that someone who has a history of mental instability ranting and raving on Twitter (laughs) just happens to be echoing your talking points. Like, that doesn't really put your viewpoints in the best of light or make him seem like the most credible. Actually, I went to the Kanye West uh, Reddit to be like, oh, you know, what are people saying? And they're like, political discussion has been uh, cut off for this time. And I was like, oh, Oh. that's not good. (laughs) What is Kanye too, though, looking like? I think I saw it and they were like, hey, (laughs) that new Turbo Graphics album, (laughs) it's going to be great. (laughs) Pay no attention to, you know, the crazy man behind the curtain. This week on the Going Off Podcast, we are doing, once again, two album reviews because that's just what we do here. Double your flavor, double your fun. Absolutely. This time it's David Middleton requesting Prince's art official age from 2014. And, and, just so y'all know, you know, we got someone uh, actually listening in live as we record this. Ooh, that's true. 
and that could be a perk that you get if you go to uh, our Patreon. Um, uh, so you can hear all the fuck ups and all the things that we do wrong and all all the shit we cut out. <laughs> all the stuff that you can use for blackmail later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Darren, I'm gonna throw it to you first. Because we talked about it a little bit last week, we we didn't end up using any of it. Which again, if you were play, if you were paying the perk, you would have heard that little conversation that didn't go anywhere. But we talked briefly about Prince and about how people were all excited for a little while there. But then around the time this album came out, the conversation kind of started to die down, and people weren't talking about artificial age so much. Darren, rap critic. Jackson, I'm late. I'm cutting that out. What? What did you think? Well, what did you do? I don't know. What did you think about Prince's artificial this, age? This is What's, the incredible material that you can hear. Was that album slept on? Was it criminally ignored, or was it justifiably uh, stepped over? What did you think of uh, artificial age? This might be the most sexiest fucking album I've ever heard in my entire goddamn life. Holy shit. I wanted to, like, I couldn't wear clothes as I was listening to it. Because it was just like they would keep, they would keep slipping off. You know? as Like, oh my god. The panty droppage is over 9,000. I don't even wear panties. I don't know where they came from. This is album's 37th Studio album. Jesus Christ. How old is he? Like, 60? Prolific isn't the word for Prince. The man is his own genre. I quite enjoyed this album. I I don't know if I would say it's the sexiest, though, because at times, it felt a little awkward. Like, like there was supposed to be a concept album, but they just never came back to it. Uh, mm, we we got to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot about it's like that. A, a concept album is more than just a skit and a half, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we get into the songs themselves, um, in this album, Prince, in a rare, rare occurrence, is referred to by his uh by his birth name. Oh, really? The uh, the voice narrator says Mr. Nelson, which is Prince's actual last name. I'm so not used to hearing his real name. Like that that's what was the oddest to me. And I was so intrigued by that that I kinda wish the album would have explored that more. In this album, Prince himself, he's put in a which can we just say in hindsight that little bit was kinda eerie. A medically induced coma. Oh, man, yeah. Which, there's probably some fans out there, some diehards, that are like, oh, "Oh, no, no, man. He's just in a medically induced coma. Mm." Oh, stop. Stop it. (laughs) I'm just saying, somebody. So he puts himself in a 45-year medically induced coma, only to wake up in a new time where time doesn't matter and that you are everything and this narrator just tries to give prince or mr nelson some reassurance or affirmations as the album calls to uh readjust him to the new age and that isn't explored or delved on or delved deeper into on any of the songs i don't think because like 
Doesn't that sound like an incredible, like, holy God, where are you possibly going with that? And then it's just like, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do the rest of the stuff. And it was like, oh, are you sure we had this 14 part epic plan? You, you didn't want to use any of that? No, no, no. We just want to make a couple of funk songs. Oh, all right. Uh, well, you want to take those, those skits off? No, no, just leave them. You're introduced to the narrator in the second track. She goes away until track nine and then goes away until track 13. So between there, there's a few tracks in between. But before that, there's just a big gap. There's a certain track that returns and it returns like right at the end. And it does so in a way that I thought it was a sample of something. But I didn't realize, like, I, no, it's just that I had already heard this song earlier. But that's how much of, like, like, that's how much of a different feel the rest of the album is from those little moments. Like, it feels like it, like it didn't even happen in the last hour. Like, it happened, like, a lifetime ago. Like, ah, uh, okay, there's certain parts in here where that, uh-huh, uh-huh, something, so, uh, something happens. And, like, there are certain parts where, like, you know, there's just a sample in the background, and he's like, you know, like, every couple of beats, you're going to hear the little, uh-huh, uh-huh. But there's a couple of times where he, where he goes, like, I don't think he's going to love you like I can. No, he didn't, girl. And then you, and then you hear in the background, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it was, like, something like that where it was just like, oh, shit, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but that works perfectly. <laughs> like, it was just, you got to hear it yourself. I'm not doing it justice, bro. Like, it just perfectly works. And then... Oh, I'm skipping past the gold standard. So as this song starts, I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, Childish Gambino, he made his little album. You know, he made his little Prince tribute. You know what I'm saying? It was cute, you know. But it's like, man, like, this man straight up perfected funk. Like, and I was just thinking, like, did Prince just make the perfect genre of music in the 80s? Is that just what he did? And then I looked at the title of the song, which is literally the gold standard. And I was just like, well, shit, maybe he fucking did. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, the breakdown. Oh, my God. Yo, the way the song starts off, you just, you know, you listen to it, it's like, all right, what's this, what's this fucking leftovers, you know, in the studio song, and then, and then, when the funk descends upon you with a glorious crash, you'll know exactly what the fuck I mean. Prince didn't become irrelevant to the pop world. The pop world became irrelevant to Prince. Like, <laughs> like, he, he was done with mainstream, like... You know, because, you know, when you always hear, like, these bands, like, you come back to them a couple decades later. Ah, man, they just always sound a little out of step, you know, with their new work. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you hear a new, like, The Who album, it's just like, eh, you know, this is cool, but, like, I just don't have the same hunger as, you know, them back in the day. You know what I'm saying? You hear the Rolling Stones, it's just like, yeah, Kiss, you know, yeah, you may make a new album, but, like, Eh, it's not the same. This motherfucker sounded... This sounds like his first album. This sounds like someone who's hungry for ideas. Like, if I didn't know who this was, I'd be like, Jesus, man, like, yo, I can't wait to see where your career goes, bro. Like, and it's incredible. This is someone's, like, next to last album. Like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus. And there's so many ideas. Like I said, there's things on here. I'm just like, there's stuff that... 
I'm intrigued by and I wish you did more with. Like, you know, like the fountain did not run dry on this man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't as impressed with the lyrics of the album as much as I was the music. Like, I totally, I'm with you on like the funk and the, and yeah, the soul the grooves, parts. The grooves. Absolutely. He's like the Will Smith of uh, funk in that. He says things that sound like they don't work, but because it's Prince, like, he has the energy to make it work. Yeah, because there's parts on the album that, like, overall, I'm like, hmm, but his confidence and the style, they bring it to the point where it's like, okay, I can buy that. Overall, there's only, like, a couple songs that actually even stood with me afterwards. Like, I liked it in the moment, but... It didn't really have much, like, lasting effect on me. And we've talked about Janelle Monet before, and there's even a reviewer in this Wikipedia article that even mentions her by name. Like, Janelle takes, like, the style that you get from Prince, but she does that little thing to it that makes it work for me that Prince is hardly ever as capable of doing for me. Janelle Monet is sexy in a way that's like very coy and and doesn't really show her hand because as a woman she can't be too forward with her intentions because if she is then you don't know how this type of guy could be he could be like this so like you know you got to leave room for doubt you know what I'm saying so there's got to be that sort of play that happens but with prince he has that same sort of sexual energy but because it's a male energy it's a sort of it doesn't matter what i think or what i say i'm just going for this and so he just ends up saying some things that sound kind of just like this is kind of like dumb but because you're so confident like i can't hate on it like okay there's a song called this could be us, all right? Yeah, which, by the way, did he start that? <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Because I was trying to think about when I first heard that expression, this could be us, but you're playing. And I'm thinking, 2014, it could be. <laughs> he could have started it, but I, yeah, I don't know. I thought Prince wasn't a very, you know, internet guy. So it's like, huh, it's weird. He knows this internet thing. And he put it in a song, and it totally works. And, like, anyone else doing this would be like, like, if Demi Lovato tried to do, you know, and I've heard her try to do, you know, sorry, not sorry, hashtag, you know. And it's just like, that's corny, that doesn't work, you know. But with him, he fucking made it work. Like, I don't know, like, how he did it. Like, when you just hear, like, if I explain it to you, it sounds corny as fuck. But when you just hear it, oh, what's the lyric? He says, I want you like a pair of new shoes. I'm just like, that's a stupid lyric. That's so stupid. But when you hear him sing it, you're just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Prince is better off not paid attention to that deeply when it comes to the lyrics, I think. <laughs> like, just take it in, man. Like, you don't need to listen that close, especially, like, if this is baby-making music, you're not paying that much attention anyway. Yeah, you know? true facts, true facts. Yeah. Overall, though, um, I'd probably give it, like, a four because it was it had solid grooves and I enjoyed it. But Definitely give it a four as well. I probably wouldn't be, like, revisiting it as a whole. And I think there was that real missed opportunity of not exploring 
that possible sci-fi-ish concept that he was kind of going for and then kind of abandoned. There was a lot of missed yeah, opportunities. Like, why but bring it up if it. you're not going to do anything with it? Yeah, yeah. But that's not all we've got. Not by a long shot, because we oh, are... Oh, no, children. We have seen the comments on the last video, and don't worry, we were Ooh. two steps ahead. We already knew that J. Cole was going to get our undivided attention on this episode of the podcast. We are talking about K.O.D. I'm curious what you thought. I'm never totally blown away by the guy, so I, I kind of went in with a blank slate of, I don't know what the hell this album's going to be. All I knew was this album has awesome artwork, so I'm intrigued. So the first J. Cole album, I remember being disappointed like i love the mixtapes <laughs> that was a that was that was some way to preface it the first time i was disappointed by j cole was yeah oh, exactly i got into j cole through the mixtapes and yo i get up in college man i used to listen to that in the morning man like that's literally how i got up in the morning you know what i'm saying like dude's kind of near and dear to me you know what i'm saying you know i'm coming up as a rapper and and here's this guy who's also a rapper from the same state as me, you know, and it's just like, oh, my God, like, I see myself in this guy. You know what I'm saying? And he put out that first album and it was, eh, you know, it was like it was average. And I was just like, damn, that's a shame. Like, you know, and I remember giving him every chance. I remember when the first single came out, who that and people didn't dig it as much. And. You know, and then and then the workout video came out and people liked it, but it was just like, oh, is that what you're gonna be now? You're just gonna be the the fly by night sort of guy. You know what I'm saying? And then and then seeing him sort of like develop, but I I also just I just wasn't interested in checking out his second album. You know, by the time Forest Hills Drive came out, I was just so kind of out of it that I was just like, eh, you know, it's whatever. But my friend was like, no, 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 check it out, check it out, check it out. And I was like, all right, fine, you know, because I had heard some of the songs off of uh, uh, the second album, and I was like, eh, it's kind of boring, and, you know, whatever, and da, da, da. So already, this two for two that I'm just, it's not that they're bad, I'm just not interested. Then the third one blows my mind. 2014 Forest Hills Drive, I fucking enjoyed the shit out of. Then we get For Your Eyes Only, which is like, nah, it's okay, you know, like, it's better than people thought it was, but it's just like, there does seem to be this weird hype train where it's like, I think it's like this reactionary thing, right? Where it's like, his first album wasn't great, and so now his fans feel like they have to be like, no, 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 everything he does is great, everything he does is great, you know, to make up for the fact that, like, some of his stuff is lackluster, even though he shows so much promise. Are, are you talking about the hype train? Are you talking about the meme? Yeah, yeah, like, the, oh, he went platinum with no features, da, 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 and all this stuff. I go into this album listening through the first time, and I'm just like, hmm, okay. I feel positively towards it. And then I go through the second time, and I absolutely enjoyed the fuck out of this album. It isn't a perfect album, of course. And, and it doesn't have like the sort of linear enough quality that a sort of, uh, Kendrick Lamar album has. But I feel, I'm, I feel like he's starting to get a grasp on how he wants to be as a storyteller. And that is sort of sloppy in ways that means that you can't really look at it in the, in a sort of grand scheme of things sort of thing that I feel like so many people want to do with his work. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of the things that he is saying, 
excuse me, and a lot of the things that he's doing are so smart and so genius that it's just like, I can't hate on this and call this anything less than the awesomeness that it would be by any other artist that didn't have such a huge hype machine behind them. Like, like I said, it's kind of unclear what the album is supposed to be about. It's called K.O.D., which first thing I think of is Tech 9 I'm like, oh, well, it's like King of uh, Darkness or whatever. You see on Twitter, it's just like, it means many things. It could mean Kiss of Death. It could mean kids overdosing. It could mean kill Odessa or something like that. I don't know. And it was just like, all right, I'm just not going to pay. Like, it's like a Lupe fiasco thing. You're just like, just don't pay attention to what Lupe is actually saying outside of the actual music itself. <laughs> Which they call just like, just don't listen to what he's saying. It's just going to confuse you. I listened to the um album and man, so much that he does here. As a matter of fact, fuck it. I'm going to go to the most important uh song. The last one, right? There you go. The 1985. This might be one of the greatest diss tracks of all time. It took what Nas did on Ether. Remember that part where he's like, oh man, you know, I treated you like my younger brother. You traded your soul for riches. And now I smile and watch you like a proud dad watching his only son that made it. You know, it was like, oh, but I'm so disappointed in how you're treating women and all this sort of things. And this is like, that's the better diss track, right? Not the one that sounds angry, but the one that sounds disappointed. Because that gets in your feelings more. That was so slick how he did that because it's just like, all these rappers that were like dissing uh, uh Jake Cole for no reason. It's the same reason why people diss Wale. Because he doesn't seem like he's going to diss back. They wouldn't say that shit to fucking Gucci Mane. They wouldn't just come out and say, oh, Gucci Mane's whack. No, because they know Gucci Mane just might pull up on you. Uh So Jake Cole making the song was just a genius sort of diss track, right? Because he's talking to these people. He's not saying, fuck you, I fucked your bitch. I did all this shit, da-da-da. I'm more successful than you, da-da-da. He's saying, dude, I'm fine where I'm at. I'm trying to figure out what you're doing with your life. Uh, There's been a lot of rappers that came before you that have been talking the exact same shit that you talk, and they don't have any money now. So I don't give a fuck what you're doing now. I want to know what you're planning on doing. And I was like, that's so much smarter that's so much smarter, and like that shows you the difference between you know someone like a Lil Pump and a J Cole. You saw Lil Pump put up his reaction video, and at first I was just like, dude, I don't want to pay attention to what like some seventeen-year-old is doing, you know. But I was like, well, let me see how he reacts, because maybe he goes like, hey man, you know, I appreciate you being the bigger man. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes people do that. You see his reaction, just like, oh man, oh yo, wow, you think you're cool dissing a seventeen-year-old, huh? Yeah, you're a punk, and it's just like. That just shows how much, like, this person needs to learn and how they're still a child. They're just thinking of this in terms of, it's me versus him, and a big rapper mentioned me, so I need to say that I'm cooler than him, so, haha, yeah, you didn't get to me because I'm cooler than you. Dude, he wasn't trying to diss you, he was trying to help you. He was trying to say, like, dude, don't come after me, because I'm the type of dude that's actually gonna try to get in your ear and help you get some more money and help you keep money. All these white kids that are listening to you, like, yeah, they love you now. They're gonna abandon you as soon as, like, the shit is over with. If you don't develop with them, if you stay like this, you're not gonna catch on to the next generation. No, because they're gonna find their next little pump. Invest your money wisely is what he was trying to say, and that looks so much smarter now, because now the eyes turn back to Lil Pump like, yeah, dude, why did you just this guy who obviously did not sound like he hated you? You know, it's just like, what the fuck was your problem? With J. Cole here, I think the deal with with the 1985, which I, I liked the song too. I thought it was one of the best tracks on the album, if not the best one. But I can see how someone 
would take that as him coming in an awkward way, I would say, because it's a bit condescending. It is, but it's still a diss track, you have to remember. Well, yeah, but the problem with the whole album, I think, overall, is J. Cole isn't nearly as smart as he likes to play himself as. There's a lot of points on this album where he's trying to portray himself as, hey, everybody, I'm trying to come from this place of, I know what's best, you gotta choose wisely, that's like a thing with the album, you gotta choose wisely. Dude, like, he's not offering a lot of, like, serious sound advice for most of the album. A lot of it's just whatever rap shit. Like, for example, like, where he's talking about, like, not doing drugs or whatever, what's the underlining advice he has? Meditate. Don't medicate. It's like, is that, is that really all you fucking, after all that, that decent song, that's what it fucking boils down to? Like, do you not have anything deeper than that? Like, I get it. He's trying to, you know, look out for folks, but a lot of times it feels like he doesn't really comprehend 100% of what he's trying to comment on in the first place. I actually see a contradiction in what you're saying. You're saying that he's being preachy, and yet he doesn't give us any definite answers. So, well, so which is it? Is he being preachy and telling you this is what you're supposed to do, Or is he being vague and not telling you? He's trying to be specific, but in what he's saying, it isn't fleshed out as much as he seems to think it is when he's delivering it, is what I'm saying. But here's my thing, here's my thing. J. Cole is not going to teach you how to be a better person on this album. And that's not what art is here to do, right? Art is someone relating their experience. And so in these songs, he's relating what he's going through. And I think that he was particularly good at relating what he was going through um, and talking about, you know, giving you a different perspective than you would typically expect on a rap song and doing it in a way that I felt like was clear. In the parts where there were ambiguities, I felt like it was done so as to not feel preachy because I feel like he does hear that criticism that people say, live life this certain way. So when he says things like meditate, don't medicate, that's supposed to be the mantra. That's supposed to be the thing that you as someone who maybe is on that part of the journey in your life where you're trying to change, maybe that's something you need to remind yourself. It's like part of you being better involves your own mentality, right? It involves you seeing where you're weak and trying to be better. And so that partially involves stopping and breathing and taking time to just assess your situation. Because, like, I I can tell you this past couple of weeks when I had to do my taxes – When I took time to, like, breathe and just stop and relax, I didn't have the answers and I didn't have everything that I needed, but I had the right mindset to go to go into it because now I'm not hopping mad and kicking and screaming and doing all this sort of stuff. Now I'm relaxing and my mind is more oriented on, okay, well, if I can't do anything right now, going to stick a pin in that for now. And uh, and let me see if I can do this. Instead of just like getting angry. And it's like a lot of the problem with like people in like the hood is that it's like, there is such a lack of focus on mental health and it's such considered to be a white people thing. You know, it's like, oh, only white people, you know, commit suicide and have all these problems and mental things and shooting up schools and da 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 da. You know, it, it gets played as a joke, but it's like, there is a reality that like, that he touches on here about how, um, black people don't pursue mental health and how it's stigmatized. This is for the whole fucking Ville. I hope you're listening. Smoking medical grade. But ain't got no prescription. All the way in Cali where they ain't got no 
precipitation feeling like <laughs> if you want a perfect example yes great message awesome but every now and then what the fuck was that like like how how's that gonna look on the rap quotables bro how's that gonna look on the sprite can <laughs> I ain't got no prescription all up in Cali, but they got no precipitation. I'm totally with you in that what he's saying in the album overall, I, I, you know, I can get down with and I think he does a good job in that. But the presentation, maybe it feels a little off. Like, can we just talk about ATM? This song is all about, you know, drugs taking it down the wrong path. Right. And it's like, I get that. But just at times, it feels like Saturday morning PSA-ish. Let, let me uh, actually bring out uh, a, a factor that a lot of people say that we haven't brought up yet. His beat selection. A lot of people think that his beat selection is very sort of toned down and kind of boring. And there were parts where I felt like it was very inspired, but there were other parts where I was like, you know, I did just listen to a Prince album. So I'm like, yeah, I... Like, none of these beats are sticking in my head. They were definitely dollar tracks, yeah. They all feel like sort of the same electric relaxation sort of sample. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, am I lying, though? Like, listen to Electric Relaxation by A Tribe Called Quest and tell me that doesn't sound like most J. Cole songs. Now, here's what's especially funny about that. He literally has a song in which he sampled that exact beat, like, note for note, and changed, like, basically nothing. As an overall, I'm just gonna say straight up, I didn't start enjoying this album until it was, like, halfway through. K.O.D. was was a decent enough track, but that one wasn't as on message as the other ones. Like, the only way you're supposed to know is, like, literally just looking at the album and being like, well, K, well, King, that must be something, or... I saw someone say, uh, I think it might have been D-Respect, uh, King, Overdose, or Kids on Drugs, if you look at the album art and even the music video, there's, like, kids on the prescription bottle yeah, yeah. following them. But in the first track, after this whole, like, you gotta choose wisely, and it really puts it into perspective, like, okay, that's what we're doing. The first track is, folks cramp on my style, blow my high, they want to reply, the number one question is how. How does it feel now that you on? How much is it worth? How big is your home? How come you won't get a few features? I think you should. How about I don't? How about you just fuck off my dick? How about you listen and never forget? It's like... Yeah, that first verse felt like his response to the meme of he went platinum with no features like that's what that was like that was sort of the introductory all right let me get this out of the way i know what the meme is but then by the end of it it has that outro where it says uh power greed money molly weed perk zannies lean fame and the strongest drug of all is love and that goes into photograph which is one of the more interesting topics for a rap song i didn't really love the song but I thought the concept was cool. A guy finding a girl's picture on social media. And the whole song is like creepily obsessing over this person. That one was kind of weird. The topic is specifically being about like, because it does feel out of line with the rest of the album. If if there is supposed to be a narrative, okay, so we have this idea of you're J. Cole and you're living it up, you're doing your thing, right? And then we we have this idea that's put in our head of there's money and fame and you got to think about what which one you're going to do, you know, choose wisely. And they're like, oh, OK. So is there some sort of saying like, 
well, hey, J. Cole, you're being braggadocious about all that stuff, but listen, remember what that woman just said, you know, like, think about what you're doing. And the next song is, hey, I'm sort of stalking this chick and I'm thinking about her. You're thinking, like, is there some sort of interplay here? Like, is this gonna be like, he's gonna use this fame to try to get her or something? Like, what? Like, where is this leading to? And it's like, eh, not really. No. And that's what I mean. Like, people try to make something to be bigger than it is. And, like, I don't think this is, like, a narrative album like I'm pretty sure someone is going to bring up because of certain ideas that that return, right? Like, the, like the idea of addiction. That comes up in Once an Addict and on Friends. The problem is we're overhyping it. Like, seriously, I swear to God, if we give it time, like, people would be like, okay, you know, this was actually pretty dope. It wasn't as great as people said it was, uh, like, as the hype machine was saying, but, like, it wasn't nearly as bad as the backlash machine. I feel like the second half of this album could have been its own, like, perfect EP. Because I will agree with you. I believe that, like, like Motivate... I had no idea what the fuck that was doing on the album. I would say Motivate and, Ke- what was it, Kevin's Heart, those could be left off entirely. Those felt like the most, like, incomplete. You feel like it didn't lead up to anything? A lot of them don't really. Like, even Photograph, the whole song is talking about, I'm looking at this girl online and I think she's really hot or whatever, but I'm not going to show my friends because I'm going to keep this photo to myself. It's like, okay, where's this going? He he messages her and nothing happens. Like, you don't really get a response or a conclusion to it. That's interesting. I had this complaint about J. Cole's album um, uh, with She Knows. It feels like he tells half of a story that doesn't really go anywhere. She Knows... It's like, you know, it's like, she knows, she knows, and I could swear to God that was, like, the whole song. Like, I could swear that song, like, only had that chorus, but then I didn't realize, I was like, oh, there's, like, I didn't know there was two verses on there, but it does not sound like it. Um, but, okay, so the whole song is like, hey, I'm not supposed to cheat on her, but I'm cheating on her. And it's, like, told in a way that feels like it's supposed to be going somewhere, but then it just doesn't. And then, like, only bad thing about a star is they burn up. Rest in peace, Aaliyah. Rest in peace, left eye. Michael Jackson, I'll see ya. Just as soon as I die. And it's just like, wait, why did you bring that in here? Because the song was supposed to be about infidelitous relationships. Like, I thought he was bringing up left eye for a reason. Like, oh, yeah, because she burnt the tub on him, right? Oh, he's a star until you burn up, and maybe he's going to bring up something. But then, like, Aaliyah, well, okay, her life had nothing directly to do with, like, you know, a relationship, you know, based on cheating. Uh, Not Michael Jackson, no. Uh, And, like, there's so much repetition in this fucking song, and it's like, J. Cole, I know you're a storyteller. Why is there so much repetition instead of story happening? Like, there's, like, a minute and a half that's filled up with, she knows... She knows, yeah, she knows, and got me up so high trying to get a piece of that apple pie, and it was like, will you please tell me the actual fucking story? And then I think there was another one, I- I'm trying to remember which one it was, where it was just like, uh, uh, I wanted to be a drug dealer once, and I told my friend, I want to be a drug dealer, and he was just like, don't be a drug dealer, and he was like, okay. I remember that one because, like, at least with that, like, the end of it was, you're a fool if you think my life is something to model yourself after because you've got hopes and you've got you've got a future ahead of you, but you're going to screw yourself over if you go down my path. At least I got what that was about, you know? I could get that from that, and I was like, 
that's actually really cool. Like that, like that's one of my favorite songs I've ever heard from him because it was something coherent and like to the point. But then he got like photograph is half a story. Then he got three songs in a row that repeat the absolute fuck out of lines with the cutoff with the give it to me, give me a smoke, give it to me. fuck fuck all that shit. Fuck that song. F- Fuck that, and fuck that made-up alter ego he has on this album. That one, ATM, has the counted up, counted up, like, the same fast repeating, and then Motivate has the motivate, motivate, motivate. It's like, oh my god. At that point, I was like, is that all this fucking album is gonna be? Because I can't take this anymore. And that was the sixth track. By Kevin's Heart, I was like, you know, okay, whatever. I didn't love that one, but brackets, specifically... The second half of Brackets is when I started to give a shit. Because the first thing has that Richard Pryor sample that goes on for way too fucking long. And then it's like, alright, whatever. But then finally, where he's talking about, like, I'm a millionaire and I'm paying all this in taxes, but I don't know where the fuck any of this money goes. I wish I could pick where this, where this money that goes and I know what's happening fantastic. with it. fantastic. And it yeah. was like, wow, he's making specific points. And they're actually being conveyed... 100% clearly, and I know what he's talking about. Up until that point, I was like, all right, I guess drugs are bad. I guess Instagram's bad. I don't know. Like, m- motivate. All right. I'll be motivated. Like, whatever. But then by the time Brackets comes in, and then once an addict, it's like, all right. I get what the fuck you're, you're, you're saying here. But up until that point, it feels like the verses, the verses were fine. on Even almost all those songs I complained about. They were ruined with the fucking choruses. Going into brackets and like from that verse on, like Jesus Christ, when he starts talking about like, yeah, why don't we get to decide where our money goes? Why does it have to just go into these certain things? And it's just like, and oh my God, when he, there's one story that he tells, I can't even quote it. Like you just have to listen to it yourself. That, that I feel really sort of illustrates the type of storyteller that J. Cole is. Where basically where he's talking about taxes and how it affects people and how the cycle of certain bullshit continues and it's in fact aided by our tax dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, certain companies getting certain privileges to sell certain weapons. You know what I'm saying? And how that ends up affecting our lives. And it's just like Yo, I, I don't think I've heard someone put that in a song like this before. And it's just like, this is incredible. People need to recognize this. Oh my god, when he talks about Once an Addict, uh, which he ne- labels an interlude even though it's a full song. I think that's to its detriment, because I fear people might skip over it when it's like behind 1985, like the best song on the album. He says, depression's such a villainous state. I used to stay out later on purpose. Subconsciously, I was nervous that if I came home early, then what would surface was her inner demons, and then I'd have to end up seeing my hero on ground zero. Tears flow while Al Green blows. There are certain times when you're listening to an artist and you just, you get the picture. And, you know, on one hand, we're always so quick to, like, you know, if a kid's out late, we're like, oh, man, what's that kid doing? What's wrong with the kid? What's going on with the kid? And what? who's outside influencing him to do all these things? And it's just like, no, the reason why I, you know, didn't want to go home is because because of you, Mom. You know, it's like, because I didn't want to see you this way. And it's just like, that's such, that's such, like, a dark underbelly and 
you know, a, a lot of this album is about children and drug use, uh, which is why, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, kids on drugs and stuff like that. Uh, I think there was one song on there where he's like quoting a kid talking about how like he saw his brother get shot or something like that. And it was just like, there's something like we all know that violence happens and that people get shot and people die and people die in front of other people. But it's just like to take in the reality of like, whoa, that's a kid. That's a kid. Like he that like he can't be a kid anymore. That little girl can't be a kid anymore because someone screwed up and put that around them. It's just like, man, that's just not fair, you know? Like and then you see and then, you know, of course you're reminded again, it's just like that's millions of children's reality. You know? And it's not brought on by some foreign person making them do something. No, it's brought on by their parents. And that's what you saw when you saw, like, you know, this kid staying out, not because, oh, some foreign, you know, because that's what they made it look like on those, uh, just say no to drugs, you know, commercials, right? You know, like, just say no, kids. They made it look like some bully was going to come up to you and try to sell you drugs. No, it was the parents. And that's why actually one of the most, I think, effective commercials was when, uh, you saw the one dad who was like, what, what's this? Can you explain this? He was like, well, I got it from watching you. And what I like about that is like, it's saying like, it's not saying that you can't do drugs if you don't want to do it. Like, if you don't mind your kid doing weed, then fine. Don't care about your kid doing weed. But if you do, then why are you doing it? Now, see, where that conversation should have gone, where Dare and all those people, what, where they took the conversation was, oh, you shouldn't do drugs at all. And this is like, no, where you should have taken the conversation was, if you're doing drugs, or, or you know someone who's doing drugs, are you making sure they're in a safe environment? Are you making sure they're okay? Not just shunning or shaming them. It's, are you making sure they're okay? Are you making sure they're taken care of? Is their mental health okay? Is there something that's driving them to feel the need to take these drugs? Instead, the, the message of D.A.R.E. is don't do drugs, and if you see anyone doing drugs, immediately tell a police officer and narc on them. You know what I learned recently, by the way, as an aside? You know who started D.A.R.E.? It was the police chief who oversaw the department that was guilty of the Rodney King beating. You've gotta be kidding me. It's as racist of a organization or a government plan as there ever was. Absolute racist piece of shit started an anti-drug thing to fuel into the war on drugs, which is already racist as shit. Yeah, terrible human being. That guy, he started D.A.R.E. I'm so mad that I won a D.A.R.E. speech in fifth grade, a, a speech contest in fifth grade, because holy shit, the more you read about it, it's like, wow. The guy who not only vouched for the people who beat Rodney King, but then after he was voted out of power as police chief was like, no, fuck you. I ain't going anywhere. This city needs me. He had to be, like, kicked, he'd, like, dragged out kicking and screaming just to then ruin another police department with more racist shit. What annoys me, and we'd mentioned before about the don't medicate, meditate, which, like, is kind of flippant because, like, yeah, I can see how that could work, but then there are some people who, like, that just simply wouldn't apply to. Like, they need medication, so it's kind of like... Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, no. I think what he's speaking to is the over-medication of people. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. And, and what sucks is that we do get kind of sucked into this place of, like, 
if you're making a song in which you don't have time to explain all the intricacies of everything, if you say, hey, man, take time to think before you're, you just grab, you know, grab the pills, because the context that he's thinking of is someone who is an addict, someone who's addicted to opioids already. It's not like, no, nah, I'm going on, going on about my life. If I didn't have to take these, I literally don't would not take them. It's like brushing my teeth. I don't want to do it, but like I know I have to. You know what I'm saying? Like those people, yeah, they need that. But for like someone who's just like, oh, I, I can't cope without my pills. Like I need to have, you know, this over. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the problem that I think he's really talking about. Like, and 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 that is a problem. And I think we can't use one to excuse the other, right? We can't say like, oh, because there's an opioid crisis. We can't have a discussion of moderation of drugs like or, uh, oh, because uh, um, because anyone is can possibly overdose from. Them. Well, that means we can't have drugs at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's not that. But it's also not like, um, well, don't question these drugs at all and, and let them, you know, do it exactly the way they want. Because when we did that, that's how we ended up with Big Pharma taking advantage of that and screwing people over. You know what I'm saying? So we do have to find that middle ground. And, and so I think it is like admirable with someone like this, at least standing up and asking the question like, Hey, man, some of this is reliant on willpower and not completely on pills what annoys me the most about that is that besides that kind of muddled message and another kill edward verse which i could do without i really liked the song otherwise like there's a lot of points on the album where songs for me are just ruined by specific parts that it's like man i really could have done without that because after that amazingly powerful uh once an addict song what do you get Cop another bag and smoke today. Cop another bag and smoke today. Cop yeah, I got like, you. I really wonder, and we talked about this last week, I wonder how a musician can listen to a song they recorded, and even to themselves, where they're repeating a line eight or ten times, and you're like, that sounds good. Do you think that's a part of, because J. Cole re partially realizes, like, his music is, the beats themselves aren't really as catchy, so he throws in these elements of repetition based off of like i know the beats aren't gonna hook you as much so i gotta have a lyric that really hooks you i gotta have the meme lyric that hooks you um but at the same time i'm still trying to make a message so i'm going to make the meme lyric sort of ironic to what the point is right like he doesn't actually want you to just cop another bag and smoke today but he realized he's using that narrative thing to sing along to in order to help those people who would be listening to that type of song to hear that this type of song and the message that it would be kind of like um when Kendrick Lamar did the um swimming pool song yeah yeah exactly it's like it sounds like it this is an alcoholics anthem but it's like well actually i'm being critical of that yeah i i think so i think that might be the point but i was just irritated by it and it just sounded lazy compared to how much effort was put into the rest of the lyrics like to open a song with 10 lot with 10 times of a line being repeated like he has a reputation based on his ability so when he does things like this it almost feels like he's just taking a shortcut because people don't like him for the repeated lines and all that shit. At least I don't think like people like him for what he has to say. And he has a lot to say on the album, but it's just times like that where it's, I just get distracted. Window pane, which is an outro, but not really an outro because like fucking L 
with like little brother. We got the outro, but it's not the last song. It's like he wanted to make like something short, but then he just like came up with a couple of more ideas afterwards. It was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> it was frustrating to me how much I liked the second half because I knew I wasn't going to be able to rate the album as high as I wanted because it's like, oh, yeah, don't forget. You really didn't like that first half. So I was like, mm, yeah, that's right. Overall, I hate to do it, but like three sounds fair because it's so it's hurt so much by the first half. Like I, I would never listen to that first half again. I can't. But like like I said, when it halfway through brackets and on, I think it's really solid and I think the songs are great but I can't recommend the whole album because I just don't care for those other ones hardly at all. I'd give it a four and a half. Like, after talking to you, I do feel like there there are points that, like, do drag it down a little bit, but I could still imagine, like, telling someone to purchase this, you know? I think that's why I'm annoyed so much, because there are messages and, like, things that people really should hear, but it's like, yeah, yeah, ignore this part, though. This part is what... I wanted you to hear just not not that it's like that fucking uh that Kendrick song where you got to sit through J-Rock and Future to get through like one of the best verses on the album on that one song it's like man I really wish I could tell someone to listen to that song but it's like I got to give them a fucking time code well that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the going off podcast thank you very much for our buddy Josh who's been listening to the episode the entire time and if you want that same perk if you want to be able to sit down with us and listen to the raw recording when we're going over it and hear all the stuff that we eventually cut out um you get that perk by checking us out on patreon uh check out either patreon.com slash rap critic or patreon.com slash muse for the details on that and also learn how you can request an album to be reviewed on the podcast on those websites in addition we would love for you to subscribe to us on youtube and follow us on twitter if this is your first time listening to us on the show thank you very much if you want to listen to our old episodes they are all on itunes and soundcloud just search going off podcast that's g-o-i-n apostrophe off podcast and until next time for the going off podcast i'm muse and i'm rap critic and north carolina stand the fuck up i mean you know if you want to i mean you know or raise up uh, oh yeah, hey. or or that, <laughs> or 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 get up. I see the clouds <gasps> in my window. Mm. Yeah, you like how I brought that back around? <laughs>